lions, tigers, and bears, and ghosts? Today's spooky special guest is author Lynn Howard. All right, welcome to the first episode of Let's Get Mystical. Hey everybody, this is Lynn Howard joining Genevieve Scholl on Let's Get Mystical. Okay, so we're going to talk about some news, some pop culture, and some other things, and then we'll talk about your great books. Yes, ma'am. Ignore the clinging of my coffee straw. <laughs> oh, you'll hear my chair squeaking, so that's okay. <laughs> I, need a, I need a new chair. Bad. Okay, so let's get to the haunting headlines. You like my little, my little titles there? <laughs> Haunting headlines. <laughs> it took me forever to come up with these titles. <laughs> All right. So the first one I got is from the Suffolk Live vlog. Actually, it's a blog. It's not a vlog. It's not videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's from, it's about a military base in Suffolk, England. Uh -huh. um, they posted an article on January 26th about a military base that's haunted. Oh, yeah, I was really interested in this when I saw it. So apparently when um, England was in the middle of war in the 1930s, um, a jet exploded and killed the pilot. Oh, my God. Yeah. And apparently they say he's haunted the base ever since then. I mean, is he like Casper or is he like knocking things over or? Well, actually, he's been seen by several people. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So he was first seen in 1983, which is a long time from when he died. So I'm curious about why he wasn't seen before then, but it didn't really have much detail on that. Maybe the people that were there before that weren't sensitive to it. Well, and or I'm wondering. Maybe they spotted him and didn't realize it was a ghost. Right. That's possible. But I'm also wondering if, like, the maybe the because the base right now is being more used as like just a, um you know, a central area to do things that's not actually, like, active or anything. I mean, there's people there, but it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm wondering if, like, after the war, people weren't there, so they couldn't witness the sightings. That would explain if nobody saw it, if nobody was there. Yeah. It, it didn't really it didn't really go in depth about that, which I kind of hated because, like, there was witnesses and stuff that they talked to, but they didn't explain why it took so long for the first sighting to happen. That's, I mean, the only thing they can explain it is the fact that no one was there. Or, again, maybe somebody saw somebody walk by and didn't think anything about it. Yeah, they could have not. if you think about it, people didn't really start talking about ghosts and the paranormal really in depth until around the 90s or so we had ghosts as a kid when in a couple different houses and I'll tell you about that another day but you know people didn't accept that kind of stuff because that was what was on the movies and it's now becoming more accepted so maybe they saw it and didn't say anything or who knows well that whole thing about you saying um ghosts in the house as a kid there's a question coming up at the end of this interview oh, that you're gonna have yeah, to answer sure. so of course um but yeah i mean it was sort of considered taboo before then, but I mean, there was, there was talk about it. I mean, look at like, um, you know, the, the, oh, what the hell is that Christmas story? Charles Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, he had ghosts in his stories. So, I mean, it was talked about, but it was kind of like, you know, you talk about it, but in fake terms, you know what I mean? Right. It was all fiction and books and movies. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so this, ghost spirit whatever you want to call him uh was first spotted by a patrol team and they spotted him smoking a cigarette 
Even in the afterlife, he had a bad habit, huh? He's smoking a cigarette <laughs> in uniform. So the fact that he's in uniform, too, could explain, like you said, people might just not have thought he was a spirit. He was just yeah. another person. Yeah. Um, and they said that um, they went to confront him because they didn't recognize him, so they didn't think he belonged there. And he disappeared. Like, literally disappeared in front of their eyes. That would scare the crap out of him more than actually seeing him would have. <laughs> See, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> No, because, like, you could disappear all of a sudden. Like, am I going crazy? Did I see what I thought I saw? Yeah, well, because, you know, they always say, you know, your eyes are playing tricks on you about yeah. things. And you know, so you never really know. That would scare the crowd. Great, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so since that sighting, uh, he's been c considered the smoking man. That's what they call him. Oh, can you imagine doing everything he'd probably done in his service and been reduced to the smoking man? Well, they didn't say this in the article, but my my brain started working as it does. And I'm like, is, do they call him the smoking man just because of the cigarettes? Or are they making a pun? Because he died in an explosion. <laughs> like, seriously, I don't know which one would be worse. Oh my gosh, it's a, it's a dual title. <laughs> Uh, so that was interesting enough, but then at the bottom of the article, they said that there's another spirit that haunts the base. This one completely is... Completely separate entity. Yep, completely se separate. He was supposedly an air traffic controller, and they say that the reason they believe he's haunting the base is because paperwork shuffles on its own, vacant office chairs spin, and the way that they described it, they it sounded like they meant like, you know, how when you're doing a job and you're bored and you're just spinning in the chair yeah and then they said also which is the freaky part that at nighttime doesn't matter what the weather is or anything but at nighttime there is a quick mysterious fog that rolls in yeah <laughs> <laughs> like out of everything they could have said a quick mysterious fog freaked me out the most <laughs> My mind would go to, like, every Stephen King horror book. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't know what's going to come out of that fog, you know? <laughs> so that was the first article. The second article was a little bit more local. It was in the United States. Um, it is from www.masslive.com. So it's a website about all things Massachusetts. Um, the author of the article was Heather Morrison, and she wrote about how the state of Massachusetts has had 1,884 documented UFO sightings. Why is it always certain states and certain areas? I want to see a UFO. You've never seen one? No! Okay, I'll, I'll keep my personal experience to myself then. <laughs> I think I see it, and it ends up being an airplane. No, I've never. I've seen things. I mean, I couldn't really tell you exactly that it was, you know the definition of like a ufo like a spaceship kind of deal but i've definitely seen things that i question like it, it there's no way it was a plane because of the shape of it and it definitely wasn't a cloud because it was moving too damn fast <laughs> so there, there are times i've seen things that i question of course then again i to think that these ufos are sticking to the north because it always seems to happen up there with you guys yeah i live in new york so i'm not surprised that i've possibly seen something I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Missouri. They're like, uh, uh they're crazy down there. Well, I didn't look up the um, statistics for your state. However, the article went on to say that Massachusetts is number 17 in the U.S. with the most, um, number 17 on the list of the most UFO sightings. 
with isn't, California well, being number one. Isn't uh, Massachusetts where a lot of the witch hunts and stuff happen? Right, exactly. Which so I wonder, yeah, kind of makes me wonder if the the statistics are a little skewed because of that stuff. Because like people are already suspicious. Right. But um, of course, California was number one. Hold on a second. I'm sorry, but with you know the the pot smoking and stuff, and the hippies up there, you just gotta wonder. Well, I'm then there's for anybody listening. I'm kidding. And then there's, you know, Hollywood and everything. So there's already, you know, kind of already predisposed to that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. What you I know, found... kind of props they're flying around, too. What I found interesting, aside from the fact that California has over 10,000 sightings. Goodness. Right. That's a big number. But what I found interesting is that the least amount of sightings in the United States was in North Dakota. You know what it could be for North Dakota, though, is it's so cold, they just don't go outside. <laughs> it's possible. They still had 192 sight- sightings, which was a good amount, but I found it interesting that North Dakota was the lowest and not, like, Alaska or something, you know what I mean? Or Hawaii, for crying out loud. Alaska's got some crazy stories that come out of there from, from different events. you got to look that up sometime. No, yeah, I definitely will. Uh, probably next week's episode because yep. I, I have to find more headlines. And, you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to find, when I went looking, I thought I was going to find a bunch of headlines, you know, like, because it's a pretty big thing for people to be into the supernatural now. Right. So I thought, you know, there's going to be, you know, at least a headline about some crazy person with a foil hat or something. (laughs) But actually, there weren't that many. So I'm going to have to maybe pick up some, like, newspapers and stuff and get a little Sam and Dean-esque on this whole thing. friends of mine in the paranormal world. They've got some stories for you. I've got friends that are demonologists that have, some are creepy and some are hilarious. I was ghostwriting for one of them. And i got to be honest with you, between my schedule and uh, those stories, I I don't dabble with with the demon thing but they've got some crazy stories about the paranormal well you know what let them know that you know they're i'm doing this podcast because i'm not just interviewing authors you know it's anybody has anything supernatural paranormal anything that they want to talk about they're welcome to contact me Can, can we acknowledge the fact that i'm officially your first author and first guest because i feel special <laughs> well you are special <laughs> i feel special for anybody listening that doesn't know um i am lynn howard's editor which does not make me biased in the least <laughs> <laughs> and i've worked on her books almost since the beginning i don't think i actually worked on the very first ones but uh since 2019 2015 with um lakin the first in your immortally yours series you have put up with me for a very long time to that well 2015 was when you started and i don't i don't want to i think i worked on lakin when you redid it but i don't think i worked on the original um but then yes um i believe it was 2017 that i started working because I think that's when you started uh, Grey's Wolf. Grey's Wolf was 2019 is when it was released. So that had been 2018. Because it was January, I think, of 2019. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So it's Man. been, you know, it's been a while. I mean, it doesn't. You are glutton for punishment. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But then again, what does? <laughs> Listen, the older you get, the faster time flies. So nowadays, I think something was yesterday and it was a month ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we're going to, since you brought it up, we are going to talk about your um, employment as well, but we'll do that later. Because oh, um, I have some more to talk about <laughs> with the Massachusetts article. So with those 1,884 documented UFO sightings, one of the sightings actually has been officially recognized as a historical event. Really? Yes. Like by the government? Well, in 2015, the Great Barrington Historical Society recognized it as a historical event. And what the event was, was in 1969, uh, nine-year-old Thomas Reed experienced a sighting of a bright floating object next to his parents' car. That's just the start. Bear with Can me you here. imagine being a kid and seeing this? I know, really? And then, and then he talked about it, too. He actually talked to, like, news stations and stuff about it. Mm. But that's just the start. That was just when things started happening. Then he said he, de- he described that there was a change in pressure in the car around him. Ugh. Which is scary. Yeah. I mean, just even going up in an airplane and the change in pressure in an airplane for me is, like, Ooh, you know, that's, that's a scary Uh feeling. And then after that change in pressure, everything went quiet. He said it was dead silence. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. (laughs) You getting freaked out yet? (laughs) No, thank you. There's more. (laughs) After that dead silence, the uh, bright floating object got brighter and suddenly... Him and his parents and the car were all transported to a different location. Like, not just a couple of steps, a completely separate location. He said that he remembers it being something kind of like a plane hanger, which would make you get a little skeptical. But he was nine years old, so, you know, he might have just contributed to that because that's something that he knew. Right, right. Something familiar. So, obviously... This historical society, the Great Barrington Historical Society, did a little research. They reviewed um, the news coverage of it after it happened, researched the area and everything that the kid described, right? And then, as an adult, this Thomas Reed kid took a polygraph test and when he became an adult. Passed the whole thing with flying colors. Well, I don't... <laughs> Obviously... You know, all of a sudden disappearing and going somewhere else and just, no, no. Yeah. And obviously polygraph tests can be tricked. And in case anybody can hear that sound in the background, my cat has decided this is the perfect time to start munching on his food. He's hungry. Leave him be. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm pretty sure everybody listening has their own pets, whether they be, you know, the human or animal kind. That's what happens when you share a bedroom slash office with your cat's food slash bathroom. But Can anyway, you hear my dog snoring. No, I can't. Yeah, they're in the room on the floor snoring near mom. Cause... No, I'm not surprised they're on the floor near you because they always are. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the conclusion of all of the research that the historical society did said that there was no evidence that anything was a lie. So they officially marked it as a historical event in 2015 and even put up a monument dedicated to it. I mean, can you imagine being nine years old and experiencing this? And then all the notoriety that comes with it? Yes. I'm an old lady and I can't know. No. <laughs> so the, the person that wrote this article actually interviewed him uh, after the fact as an adult. And he said that he one of the things he regrets 
um, about coming out about this whole thing is that the news stations and things have completely taken what he experienced and twisted it so that a lot of the things that are reported on the event are actually not what he told people. So they took creative liberty. Basically, yeah. So he's been speaking out about it quite a lot. This article was, let me double check the date. Got my 8 million notes here. So the article was on January 25th. So it's the most uh, recent article I could find about it. So I'm glad he's still speaking out about it because, yeah, I mean. And especially clearing the air and make sure the facts are the facts. Right. And I, I've heard so many um stories like this that it's like you you automatically go to skepticism because right. lots of times it's all the same stuff and you know the same kind of story so i'm glad he's still talking you know speaking out about it because obviously it was something that he experienced that um my god i can't talk today <laughs> You know, well, you have vestibular migraines now too. Yeah, no, I was just out <laughs> way too late. Um, so it was an event that you know really kind of affected his life. You know, molded the where, where he is now. Yeah. So it's not something he can exactly forget. I'm just again, I'm glad he like cleared the air and made sure because you know creative license like in movies and stuff that's one thing, but you don't misquote people i don't like that yeah and we're not going to get too far into that but that's one of the problems i have with the news now is that yeah. it's not about reporting the truth anymore it's about ratings and money and yeah so we're not going to get into that <laughs> we're going to get into paranormal pop culture let's do this so before I get into what I want to talk about, have you been watching or reading or listening to anything supernatural paranormal lately? It's not so much paranormal, but my brother sent me a podcast because of what I do yeah. for side living. And it was one of the, let's see if I can find the title of this podcast. It was one of the creepiest things I've heard in a long time. Any paranormal, you know, I read is fiction. So, because I read a lot of, you know, paranormal romance and urban fantasy and stuff, but yeah, no, I'm looking for this podcast. I'm going through the 5 million, uh, it's probably going to try to start playing. What is this called? Radio Rental. And the title was Crematorium. If you want, we can talk about that later, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it was very good. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned a podcast. So actually, that's an interesting, unintentional segue to what I want to talk about. Oh. <laughs> so I was looking up things for pop culture, which there is not much, surprisingly. But I got really excited when I found what this article was talking about. Um, so I'm probably going to butcher his name, but Richard Spite Jr. and Rob Benedict. Do you know who they are? Oh. So they played Gabriel and Chuck on Supernatural. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not entirely sure how far you are on Supernatural, so I'm going to try not to give any spoilers. Um, but they have started a podcast about Supernatural. About the show Supernatural or about the Supernatural? Nope, about the show. Oh, okay. So basically what it is, is it's called Supernatural Then and Now. 
And it's what they call an insider's perspective into the show. Because they were cast members, obviously. I'd love to see the research they did for a lot of these storylines. Well, here's the thing. They didn't have to do much research for the podcast. I mean, for the show, yes. But for the podcast... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'd love to hear them talk about. Because, you know, as an author, how much research we do. Oh, I'm sure they'll touch on that. There's only been three episodes so far. It just started in uh, January 24th. Um, but basically they talk about, it's basically a rewatch of the show because like the first episode is about the first episode of the show. Um, which means potentially there could be a lot of episodes of this podcast considering the show was on for 15 years. I was going to say it was, the show was long running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they are basically talking about each episode at a time and each episode of the podcast features somebody from the show. Which is why I geeked out a little. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there thinking, are they going to have them on there? They have already. For the first two episodes, oh, wow. it was Jared and Jensen. And I have not listened to it yet, but you can bet your butt it's going to happen soon. Amen. <laughs> Which probably means... I, I'm not even a, a geek out over the show, but whoo, they are pretty. <laughs> Which probably means my responsibilities are going to take a hit because I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna hear I'm going to hear Jensen's voice and my brain is just going to shut down. <laughs> Well, that's why I send you all those TikToks of him singing and dancing. Oh. He's so pretty. Yeah, so there's been three you episodes. You know there's a new book coming out that he, he was my inspiration for the male character, right? Yes, I do. And um, yeah, we're going to slightly talk about your new book that's coming out on Valentine's Day. I'm not going to go too in-depth since it's still on pre-order. Um, yeah. I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but we are going to talk about that a little. Um, that was actually one of my questions, so... Thanks for the uh, answering that ahead of time. <laughs> but yeah, so this podcast, um, I'm not entirely sure how many places it's available. I did find it on Spotify, so there is that at least. Um, the first two episodes had Jared and Jensen, and they were about the first two episodes of the show. So it was the pilot episode um, and then the Windigo episode. Did you see those? I, I'm sure I saw the pilot. You know, I kind of like hit and miss with that show. <laughs> well, the pilot, I will admit the pilot isn't the best episode in the world. Um, it did. I mean, it took me like three or four rewatches to actually get past season one. And now I love the show. So. But um, the second episode was the Wendigo. So it was the one where. Oh, then I saw it for the second. And yeah, it was. I think to the third season. Oh, well, okay, then you're, you, well, you haven't met Cass yet? Oh, you gotta watch no. season four, girl. No. You have to watch season four, I'm telling you. If there is anybody that rivals Jensen for me, it is Misha. It plays Cass. You know, you and I have super, super different tastes in men, though. I know, I I but, oh my god. Okay, so I've seen them. Misha Collins in several other things. Like, he was really young, and he was an episode of Charmed and stuff. And he was cute, but... Oh my god, is Cass? <laughs> I can't even describe to you what that man does to me as Cass. <laughs> I think this show is the first time we've agreed on good-looking men. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I have nothing against Jared, and actually, um, if you ever watch his new show, Walker, which is a remake of Walker, Texas Ranger. I was not aware. Oh, you gotta watch it, because... The Jared that's in Supernatural and the Jared that is in Walker are completely different people. 
he's got shorter hair than Walker. He has a beard, which is your thing. And he's a cop, too, so it's just, like, all of that manliness exuding from him in that show is so different yes, than please. him as Sam. You know who the original Walker was, right? I can't remember his name. Chuck Norris. Aha. It's a little different from the original, I will tell you that in advance. It is not, you know how the original was a lot of fighting and karate and... Yeah, because yeah. it was Chuck Norris. Well, it's not like that. But it, in my opinion, it's just as good because it's more centered around, like, it's centered around his job and stuff, but it's also centered around his family. So he's got two children. And I don't know, I can't remember if this was the way in the original, but his his wife died in the in the remake. Aww. That's That's how the show opens, is that his wife was killed and he has to deal with being a single father. So I feel like there might not be a lot of action in it, but there's definitely a lot of emotion. Gotta be action if it's if it's Walker, Texas Ranger. Well, there's... I don't want to say there's no action. I mean, there there are criminals and stuff he has to fight. I don't, it's hard to explain the show without giving spoilers. Giving it away? <laughs> yeah. It hasn't... It's only been on, I believe, a couple seasons, so you could probably catch up pretty easily. I'm not sure... How did I not even know this existed if it's been on a couple seasons? Because it started in the middle of COVID. Oh. Well, and back then I was, you know, watching Tiger King and <laughs> all that good, good entertainment. There. Yeah, that's one thing I could not comment on because I didn't even start watching it and I never will. Oh, you know, I, I saw it. And I was like, ooh, you know, tigers and wild animals because I love well, animals, anything with fur, anything walking, crawling. I love it. And, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I rewound it, made my husband watch it when he got home and we got sucked in. It's, it's like watching a Jerry... Springer episode on crack. It was insane. <laughs> oh, I love that comparison. Um, Not to get too far off topic here, but if you want to watch anything when it has to do with wild animals, um, on Disney Plus, there is a show about um, Animal Kingdom and Disney World, and it's all about Ooh. caring for the animals and stuff. That's one of the places I want to go is Animal Kingdom so bad, but you know I can't fly. Yeah. I'd say oh, you could probably know I have vestibular migraines, which means any barometric pressure, any hormones, any anything. If I breathe air, I get severe vertigo and migraines. I'd say you could probably make the drive since you're a little closer than me, but I think you'd still have to stop halfway. Yeah, because I went to my longest drive ever has been to Dallas and I that about made me lose my mind sitting in the car that long. Yeah, I'm not I've entirely been a road trip person. Not entirely sure how far Disney World is for you, but it's got to be closer than the drive. 15 hours it takes us. It's uh, like 23 hours or something like that. Really? Yeah. Go around the Midwest. You're just going just straight, bleh, straight south. Yeah. Okay. I guess technically you'd have to, because you'd have to go down and over, whereas I can just yeah. go down. We got to go across the country to get there. Yeah. Well then. Maybe someday we can drug you up and take you. That's what my husband says. We'll just give you a bunch of value and knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the plane ride, I mean, I know that you have issues, but the plane ride is so much quicker. Mm, I want to go to Vegas. I want to go. There's all these places that I'm waiting till we get everything regulated and leveled out so I can actually start going places. Yeah. We have gotten a new little special guest to the show gotta be mischief yep and he's staring oh, at the phone like it. where is this person talking from 
you just you just heard me go from like hardcore author to homeless to uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he does that to people <laughs> could you get down please i'm surprised amos famous amos the one-eyed kitty hasn't come to visit me yet where is he oh mm. last i saw him he was laying on my bed he just He's only been here like two weeks, and you think he'd grown up here. <laughs> okay, we got way off topic here, but... Um, yeah, we did. Because we got distracted by animals. But yeah, I'm definitely going to start listening to that Supernatural podcast. Um, I'd say you should too, but since you haven't caught up on the show, it's probably not a good idea. I mean, you can you can yeah, listen yeah. to what they've already posted since you've watched season one, but eventually you're going to get to then a I point... Then I gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, eventually you're going to get to a point where it's spoilers. All right, so that was all of the um, news and cult, pop culture stuff that I had to talk about. Is there anything you want to discuss? Not on that end, no. no? I don't have any news or anything. I didn't research very well for my, my interview. Oh, it's okay. Um, I do have one <laughs> other thing um, that is pop culture, but I wasn't going to talk about it. Um, I was going to save it for either the after show content or next week. So we'll see what go what happens there. Which next week, as of now, I do not have an interview. So I may end up stealing you for co-host. <laughs> oh, no, not that. <laughs> as you can tell, I'm just devastated by that news. <laughs> Even though it will take you away from writing, which you need to do. So. Yeah, but because we shut down for the next freaking two days. And then I don't work again until, well, as of right now, until like next Thursday. Wow. I'm sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll change, though, because, you know, when people pass away, yeah. you don't know the schedules. Well, since it's the second time that you brought up your employment, why don't you discuss that? Let people know what you do for a living. Oh, well, it's not for a living, <laughs> but a side job, my day job. I am, I work at a funeral home. <laughs> and uh, stupid me, I opened my mouth and I was like, oh, somebody's walking the halls because I am an empath and I can feel the energies and I can feel someone walking around in there. Everyone's like, who is it? I don't know. I can't see it. They don't talk to me, but I can feel it. And if I go in certain parts of there, it's like sandpaper on my skin. And sometimes when I'm working services, I can feel somebody come up behind me. And since I can't hear them or see them, I kind of turn to acknowledge that I know they're there. <laughs> yes, I know you're here and I'll move on. So yes, are I you... services and I answer the phone and... Are you only a spirit empath or are you an empath with living too? All. All the above. Okay. Yeah, that's why I don't like going into crowds, because I've never learned how to block. And my sister, actually, my baby sister's into crystals and stuff, and she gave me a bunch of crystals to put in my pocket, because the energy at work was, was really, it was affecting my, my mental health, because I was feeling the grief they were feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. And I would go home just devastated every night. Well, because you're, you're feeling the grief of the living, but then if you're also sensitive to the spirits, I'm yeah. sure you're feeling their stuff, too. It's a too. lot of energy. Yep, it's a lot of energy. So, so you've been able to, how long have you been at this job now? Since October. So you've been you've been there for a while. Mm -hmm. You've been able to cope. Is there any coping mechanisms you use, or do you just allow yourself you know, to be open to everything? One of the uh, one of the owners made a good point. As sad as this is, we're making one of the worst times in their lives a little bit better. Yeah. So I try to, if somebody needs to talk, I listen, even if it's if it's rambling, you know. If I've had a lady just walk up to me and hug me, I'm not a hugger because of feeling people's energies, but if that's what they need, that's what I do. 
you know, I've played with the kids so that the parents can go in and see the coffin alone. So I try to gear my thought process instead of feeling their grief, absorbing some of it to maybe help them out a little bit. Because, you know, obviously I don't want to tell my boss, by the way, <laughs> I absorb energies. So I try to absorb, you know, from the people that are grieving the most to make them feel, eh, it sucks for me, but I've, I've kind of learned to purge it a little bit better too. Not to mention, she gave me a ring, a necklace, and I have a pocket full of crystals. Don't ask me what they are, but they're very pretty and they're black. <laughs> I don't know what they are. I'm going to guess. She told me, but I don't remember. I'm going to guess black obsidian. I have no idea. They're mm -hmm. beautiful. One is like this raw piece and it almost looks like, lava rock or something and then one is real smooth and then there's this one that's been it's almost clear to black and then the the ring and the necklace are like clear to black so, so i um, just make sure i'm overloaded i don't even know if i believe in that stuff but it works so well it <laughs> because as you know i'm kind of a strange person <clears throat> excuse me and i'm into a lot of things um you were talking about crystals and I said black obsidian and I just reached over to my right and grabbed the paper that talks about black obsidian. <laughs> well, it's gotta be it yeah. I have no idea. Just in case you're interested or anybody that might be listening, it says black obsidian grounds you. It's sleek formation and deflecting properties. Keep worries at bay. Helps to process grief, provides grounding energy and stimulates action to follow your path in life. And it's so, got to be black obsidian. I'm pretty much <laughs> guessing That's it crazy. is. I have not seen it, but I'm I'm pretty much gonna assume it's black obsidian. Yeah, they're really pretty. And like I said, I'll, I'll put them in my pocket, and I have the ring, and I have the necklace, and sometimes I'll just sit and hold the. Because sometimes, I mean, you know, these sudden ones are if they're a younger person, and it, it hurts. I mean, my daddy was 61 in bad health, and I, you know, I don't remember the two weeks after he died. So. No matter how they're reacting in their grief, I accept them that way because we there no one grieves the same way. Right. No one grieves the same way. I can't stand uh, it's been six months, it's been two years, it's been five years. We're all different. You know, I lost a dog that I'd only had for two, a year and two months, and I'm still grieving that six months later. And that's okay. I think the shock so of that made things like 10 times yeah. worse like it's one thing if you know it's gonna happen but something yeah. sudden like that well, like, when she really wasn't well, that old was 12 and i knew she was gonna go soon but it's still you know she was my first quote-unquote child because you know i couldn't have kids so i had her until i adopted my kids with her she was my emotional support dog like literally she was i, I don't know how she knew because i never had a train but she knew when something was wrong and she'd be there right there so losing her was like losing a part of me so but that's okay and if you need to shave your head in grief, that's okay. You know, so I've, I've learned to switch my thought process over instead of, oh, no, I'm absorbing it. And I need, like, I took a short break from doing the services because it was so hard emotionally for me. And I've just kind of shifted that. And, okay, if you need to absorb some of mine and give me some of yours, I'll just deal with it and I'll purge it later so that they can get through that day. Yeah, I was, I was just listening myself. last night before I went to bed. Um, because I'm, I like to torture myself and stay out late and then stay up even later listening to a podcast. But anyway, um, the podcast I've been listening to is called Partners in Crime. It's about, um, like, true, not, not true crime, but um, crime fiction. Um, so both of the hosts are, are fiction writers, crime fiction writers. And 
he was it was a special episode he was talking to another author who um has been struggling with his mental health and he wrote a book about it because he wanted to help other people and as you were talking and my mind was like you're saying pretty much what he was saying so yeah it's sorry i muted you because i had to sneeze oh you're fine <laughs> I, I got a cat and i think i'm mildly allergic but i refuse to acknowledge it to anybody else Although now the world's listening to it because I'm not <laughs> ever letting him go because I love him because he has one eye. Yeah, it's it's literally letting them grieve the way it, they need to. And if I need to absorb some of it to help them get through the day, then so be it. Because when I go home at night, I still have my husband. I still have my mother. I still have my siblings. You know, my kids are healthy. I've lost a parent. I've lost all my grandparents. I am 45, so it's not abnormal to lose your grandparents. But the grief they're going through in that time, you know, I, I try to be there for them. You're just revealing everything today, aren't you? You just revealed your age. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable. What can I say? Well, to give some contrast, I am now 34. Um, you don't, you don't need to rub salt. In your <laughs> oh, come on! You don't even act 45. Honestly, I don't think I look it either, but that's just me and my mirror. Yeah, well, I don't look 34. I look 16, so. Literally nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there is for me. I don't like looking 16. I didn't like looking 16 when I was 16. Trust me when I say you're going to hit a point where you're going to love that. I see. I think the reason I look younger, though, is because I do get the Botox for the migraine, so I don't have my forehead wrinkles. I keep telling the neurologist when I go in, you know, I'm getting migraines right here and right here. I point to my, my uh, crow's feet and my smile lines. But, you know, I have those wrinkles because I love to laugh and I love to smile. So, Well, I'm sure when you get the migraines, too, you probably scrunch up your brow. Oh, yeah. Well, then I do that even when I'm, like, reading, watching TV, focusing. It's just always been a bad habit I've had. And this has absolutely nothing to do with Supernatural, but oh well. <laughs> well, we didn't say every single minute of the show was going to be <laughs> nothing but the mystical. No, and when you and I get together, we talk and talk and talk and talk and it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, well, we started our 20-minute uh, quarterly within a two hours. Yep, yep. Because <laughs> we usually don't talk about business. <laughs> oh, well. Because we don't hardly ever talk. We text. Yes, we do. And we text a lot. Oh, and, and All day. Here's a little insight into our relationship for the listeners and also something you can laugh at. My phone alerted me to low storage the other day, right? And I'm like, how is that possible? I barely have anything on my phone. I delete my pictures after I post them to Facebook and everything. So how am I low in storage? So I went in and, and looked to see what was taking up all my storage. And it's all your fault. <laughs> Because about 70% of the storage on my phone was being taken up by all the gifts we send each other. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> delete your text messages. That's hilarious. So I had I to go in. I don't delete my text messages. I'm such a weirdo about that. And you know what? I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know the gifts took up space. I didn't either. So I had to go in and actually delete like a year and a half worth of, worth of gifts we sent each other. That's too funny. <laughs> Because if you don't have anything, you know, funny to say, you just send a gift. Beast mode activated. Well, know? and sometimes it's like, why should you have to put your thoughts into words when somebody made a gift, went through all the trouble making a gift that just expresses exactly what you want to say? If anybody listening, 
watches The Office, why say a lot word when few words do trick? I saw the commercial for that. Yeah, it's The Office. It's Kevin. He's so funny. I'm obsessed with that show. I watch every chance I get. That's another show I can't get into, but oh, to each their own. You past, like, the third episode, and then you realize how funny it is. There's no laugh tracks, nothing. It's just hilarious. Well, one more, since we're on the topic of TV, before we get to the actual interview, you know, the thing we're actually supposed to be talking about, um, I think for me, it's probably time, <clears throat> excuse me, probably time for another rewatch of the TV show Beauty and the Beast. There's a TV show called Beauty and the Beast? Oh my God, you've never seen Beauty and the Beast? Are you talking about from the 80s or? Oh, no, 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 no. It was um early 2000s, I want to say. No. Oh, it's you so, know I don't watch much TV. It is so I, good. It's on I Netflix. Up here in my office around eight o'clock, and I go down, and whatever he has on is what we watch. Do you have last no- night? We we're watching a documentary on some criminal that faked that he had. Well, he definitely has some kind of a mental illness, but he was faking that he had multiple personalities, and they were able to catch him on it. <laughs> Do you have Netflix? Yeah. Okay, it's on Netflix. It's Beauty and the Beast. It's only like I want to say four seasons, so it doesn't take you long to get through it. Um, and it's about a soldier who got injected with something that turned him into a beast. Like he actually, like when he gets angry and stuff, he shifts into a beast. Oh, okay. And the beauty part of it is that a young female cop encounters him when her mother gets killed. He, he basically saves her life when her mother gets killed. And then she later down the line, when she becomes a detective, Actually, I think when her mother got killed, she wasn't actually a cop because I think she was still in college. But then when later down the line, she becomes a detective, they encounter each other again. And, you know, of course, a romance ensues. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Is it Kristen Creok and Jay Ryan? Yeah, Jay Ryan. Yep. I recognize the girl from something else. What is it? Oh, Smallville. She was on Smallville. Yep, yep. You got the right one. Okay, it is so good and even even um vincent which is the beast his best friend even his part is amazing i love that show i can rewatch it i usually rewatch it once a year so i think it's about time i rewatch it again yeah i just uh not too long ago finished um vampire diaries loved it loved it not even, I mean, I'm, I'm long out of high school, but yeah, I loved it. It was, at sometimes I was like, oh, she's narcissistic or, you know, whatever, because, you know, the way our brains work, but it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I tried the originals. I couldn't get into that one. I uh, hesitate to admit this on a podcast about supernatural stuff, but I do not like Vampire Diaries. I liked it. I liked the different take. You know how I am about, you know, different concepts. Even Twilight, people make fun of that, but it was just a different concept. Oh, my God. Instead of the going in the sun and catching on fire, you know, stuff like that, or the fangs and the red eye. It just, I like different concepts. You just had to bring up Twilight, didn't you? I was trying to avoid that topic. You know what? I'm a 45-year-old Twihard. I don't care. Well, the reason I was... I own the movies. The reason I was trying to avoid that topic is because it's been announced that there will be another book. Well, they did the Morning Sun or whatever, which was uh, Twilight from Edward's perspective. Yeah. So what's this new book going to be about? There's not much um, information on it. It just... It was an article I came across on Facebook that said that the author plans to continue to write Twilight books. You know, I love the whole story behind that because she dreamed the scene in the meadow 
and she wanted it just the whole author I don't know if she was an author before this or not, but that's how we work. Like she wanted to know more about it. So she went back and wrote it. I think she said it was like chapter 13 and it was pitched and was rejected like 52 times or something. I just, when you hear these success stories, you know, Stephen King used to say he could wallpaper a room with his rejection letters. So I always tell people don't give up. It's funny. You can always go indie. It's funny how many rejection letters, popular things have gotten. Because like even Uh, Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. J.K. Rowling's had rejections, you know, I mean. And now there's. Hunger Games did too. Now there's seven books, eight movies, a couple spinoffs, you know what I mean? It's crazy. And now she's writing other books under a, a pen name. I just can't imagine giving up writing even if i never become a best-selling author well that's another topic that Sorry, maybe we can talk cost. about in the I after just, show no, it's just with the whole especially with the supernatural paranormal aspect your your imagination is literally the limit to the world you can build yeah you can create anything you want and if you don't like shifters there's a five million other different topics you yeah. know fallen angels demons vampires i mean it just goes on and Okay, so I guess we should probably actually get to your books. <laughs> oh, let's do that. So, what you want to talk about? Well, to start, let's um, have you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your books and your reason for writing Supernatural. I am Lynn Howard, as I've said already. I write paranormal romance. I used to dabble in urban fantasy, but I stuck with paranormal romance. They are currently all based in the town where I live, a tiny little town called Cedar Hill. And the reason I do paranormal. I used to read horror, loved horror. Stephen King was actually, you know, the king to me, no pun intended. And I found Anne Rice in seventh grade. And I have been obsessed with everything paranormal since the age of 12, 13 years old. Excuse me. Um, I like to disappear into a world unlike my own. Because I live in reality and I've had kind of a iffy life up until, you know, recently. I want to disappear into a fantasy world. I want to make believe things can happen like healing with your hands or, you know, jumping three stories. I want to disappear into a different world. And so I write what I love to read. That's great. Um, I I kind of feel the same way. Uh, Granted, I don't write a lot of Supernatural, but like when I was writing my most recent release, um, Two Fangs Don't Make a Fight, which you so graciously alpha read for me. (sighs) Love that book. Love <laughs> the book. That is that's kind of why I wrote it. I and I mean, yes, it was a little bit inspired by the fact that Supernatural ended, which we won't talk about. Um, but for the most part, it was it was something I was able to escape into. Like romance and things are great, but they're a little too real. Exactly. And that's part of the reason why I think I have started my journey to into young adult too, because it's not. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the real life, but it's not my real life. I've tried dabbling. My, my nephews want me to write a book for them, and I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, I do have an idea for a future young adult fantasy. So if I do write that, I will give your nephews some copies. There you go. Mm-hmm. Every time I buy one from one of these, these book shows or conventions or anything I go to, I get them from my, my nephews. Ooh, the snow has picked up. Well, let me in know. Missouri, we have an ice and snow storm advisory, and everything has been shut down. My even my business has been they rescheduled services for next week, and yeah. Let me know if okay. your um phone starts to break up or anything. We can you know we can end if we have to and just pick it up later. I 
I should be okay. Okay. I got AT&T. <laughs> <clears throat> so as we mentioned earlier, your first book, um, and it should Facebook? be it should be noted that uh, you do write under a pen name. So when I say first I book, do. I do mean Lynn Howard's first book. So yes. for anybody that may be in the inner circle and know who you actually are, that's what I'm talking about is the Lynn Howard yes. books. Um, <laughs> yes. So your first one was in 2015. It was called Lakin, and it was yep. in the, the first book in your Immortally Yours series. Mm-hmm. Now, bad host that I am, I did not actually write down information about this. So do you want to tell the people a little bit? Uh, Lakin is actually a vampire uh, book that I don't dabble much with vampires. I love my shifters, but that whole world, um, it is a crime to give your blood to a human or to turn a human unless they, if they are your compere, which is like in, in a shifter world's true mate. So unless that person is your soulmate, it is illegal. It is against their laws to give blood, to heal or to turn a human. And of course my guys have to find their compieres. Duh. Cause I'm not a sadist and I'm not going to punish my guys. There's only two books in that series right now. Yes, I will finish that series someday, but I'm just having so much fun with my Cedar Hill shifters. I'm having how many, I don't even know how many are in the Cedar Hill shifters at this point. Well, since you wrote Lakin, you have written 21 other books. Wow. Which is only like seven years. (laughs) So, and that includes. The second book in the Mortal Yours, all of the Big River Pack, Blackwater Bears, Ravenwood Panthers, Morse Pack, Shifter Executioners, which is the second one of that is your upcoming book. Um, and also uh, one, I believe it was a standalone book that you wrote. Soul Surrender? Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be a series, and I'm actually halfway or more through with book two on that, but again... I just started having so much fun with the shifters. Right. And then we have um, perfect imperfection and perfect contradiction. I just said that out of order. It's perfect contradiction, then perfect imperfection. Yes. And, and those demon hunters. Those were, yes, those were included in the 21 books. Yep. I just forgot to mention. Yeah. Man, I've been working a lot. Yes. Yes. 21 books in seven years. That's what average of three that books a year. Yeah. Well, if you, That's... what was it? Uh, Big River. I, I busted out like, Eight books between Big River and Blackwater Clan, I think it was. In, yeah, in, yeah. That, in I, I think, I think. <laughs> honestly, the beginning of that series was can be contributed to a lot of your your numbers because you powered through those. Oh, I have. And, I just I have so much fun in this world, and they're so vivid in my head and so loud. You know, no, 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 it's not your turn. <laughs> I have to push them to the side. You have to wait. <laughs> there will be a short story coming. Um, Flynn and Morris Pack, for those who requested a Carl story, but that will only be for the newsletter subscribers. So if you're not already subscribed to my newsletter, make sure you get on that because that will only be, and then eventually the Patreon patrons, if I ever get around to finishing my page, yeah. it's, I just have a lot on my, my plate. And I always, if I'm not writing, I feel like I'm losing time. It's so weird. Like I got to clean my house. Nope. Got to write. Got a full laundry note, got it right. So I've been, I do my housework on my breaks when I need to get up and stretch my back is when I do my housework. I prefer someday I'm going to just delegate so much of my work to other people. Here, you do the admin, you do the housework. But for right now, I'm a control freak. If you watch my YouTube videos or podcast, you know I'm a control freak. I don't like delegating. Ask Jen, she knows. 
And all of your uh, links will be included in the show notes so that they can Thanks. sign up for that. Thanks. Now, we have another book coming out on Valentine's Day. It's the second book of the uh, Shifter Council Executioner series. There will she, only be three in that one. She just stole my segue. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Well, since you actually already mentioned that, um, my question was going to be, how do you feel your writing has changed since 2015? It's definitely gotten stronger. It has definitely gotten stronger. Um, I've gotten way better at plotting. I don't plot the way you see other people, I plot the, you know, the inciting incident, the high point, and then the ending. So I know A, B, and C, or I guess it'd be A, what is that, M and Z. <laughs> and then I have to fill in all the letters in between, but I've gotten way better. I, I know my characters better. Um, I can tell you their favorite color, even if it's never mentioned in the books. I can tell you what high school they went to, even if it's never mentioned in the books. So I feel like my world building and my character building has definitely strengthened since Lakin. Definitely. And how, I mean, we kind of sort of touched on this, but how long does it take you to write a book? You know, it varies. Um, Gray took me about, Gray's Wolf, which is book, book one in the Big River Pack series, took me about three or four weeks. Um, and then Reed gave me so, and as much as I love Reed, he's like one of my favorite characters. Reed's Girl took me, what did that end up being, like four months to write that one? Um, because I had kept having start and stops. Um, Shift and Focus, which is the second book coming out in that series, I started that one, I think it was in May or June, and it was going really well, but then my dog died, Shiloh died, and I just put it aside. <clears throat> Excuse me. I picked it back up in December because I was on isolation because I was radioactive. I had to take radioactive iodine pill. Hey, look at that, another thyroid. supernatural and topic. it turned out, I didn't know anything about where I work. I named my female character after a co-worker at the funeral home. So she works at a funeral home. Her name is Aliana and I work at a funeral home and my co-worker's name is Aliana. I didn't even know who she was at that time. It was spelled differently, but yeah. So that one, once I picked it back up, what did that take me, Jen? Another three weeks to finish it? Ish. Yeah. Four it might've been, it might've been closer yeah. to four. And then, and then it got slowed down because I caught COVID. Um, I got the positive diagnosis on Friday on New Year's Eve, and I actually didn't start feeling bad on Wednesday. I got tested Thursday and got that positive. So it was two weeks that I was down. So it was, it tried to get it finished again. So I'm going to take out that two weeks. So it was about three or four weeks. It took me to finish that one. Let me clarify to the listeners. You were down physically, but your brain was definitely working because my phone yeah. was blowing up. <laughs> yeah. Well, because if, if I don't have any notebooks near me or if I can't open my eyes because of the vertigo, I got to send out the stuff so I know what I'm doing. And I'm texting you because I know either it'll be on my text or you'll remind me, no, you said you were going to do this instead. So, yeah, my brain was still going, but I couldn't sit at the laptop because I had the vertigo. Any illness, any stress, or anything like that increases my condition, my disorder. So, yeah, I could barely even walk through the hallways. It was awful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining because that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's what an editor is supposed to do. <laughs> it's just sometimes your thought process is a little hard to keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk to my husband about that. <laughs> my mom's used to it. She can roll with it. She knows when I start just, she can roll with it. My brother was making fun of me because I am trying to finish up my bedroom, but it's on a standstill because I have wood to put on my walls, right? I'm going to do this like faux wood wall. Well, it's not faux, it's real wood. But I can't power wash it. So I've been touching up other things and then planning my bath, my, my uh, kitchen. And then I started talking to him about my laundry room. He's like, wait, 
I thought you were doing the kitchen. I'm like, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so now does that? I already have. <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt you. I already have plans for the next series, and I'm not even done with the, the last book of this series. So Okay, so that, that sort of answers the question I was going to ask. But does that thought process, um, like you were talking about with your remodeling, does that happen with your books? Yes. Yep. When I'm writing on a book, I've already got super, uh, super, got future characters nagging me. They want to turn, they want to turn, they want to turn. And I have to like, you know, I put notes aside or I'll put it in my bullet journal um, or I'll type it on this. Like if I just need to get it real quick, I'll type it on a separate page so I can get back to it. So yeah, my brain, I've heard of authors having problems coming up with ideas. I never have a lack of ideas. My problem a lot of time is trying to focus on the one thing I'm working on. So I was trying to finish up book two and book three was like, nope, we want to go. We want to go. So that's why I was sending you the notes because I'm laid up. I can't do anything. Excuse me. So, so that way I kept track of what I was thinking. So like uh, ignoring future books, do you feel that that happens within the book you're writing? Like, do you have a hard time when you come up with ideas wondering if it's a something currently happening to your characters or if it's like a yes. future event? Yes. I started the write on this book three and I had planned that this was going to happen. And I wrote, what was it, Jen? 6,000 words. And I scrapped it because my brain wouldn't settle on that one idea. I think it gets clearer for me when I'm on that roll and I'm on the right track. But when I'm not, my brain is going, 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 going. And I'll go through it. I've deleted 30,000 words before, you know, uh, 40,000, 50,000 words because my brain can't settle because it's not where it's supposed to be going. So I guess in a way, it's my characters doing it, not me. And I'm, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That deleting the 30, ADD, you know, that deleting 30,000, 40,000 words sounds painful. It is. It is. But I think the way I see it, if I'm bored with it, my readers are going to be bored with it. And I'm not going to put anything in my readers hands that they would enjoy because I would feel slated if I picked up my favorite author's book or even a book. If I spent my money on it and I got bored or it, it was cliched or it was contrived or, you know, I was reading a really great book, and OMG, I loved every second of it, and then all of a sudden it turned into erotica. Not that I have a problem with erotica, but if you're running from a bad guy, you can't duck into a room to have sex. Came out of left That field. is not realistic. You know, um, a super popular book that has movies made about it, there are scenes in that book that are so not realistic. Um, or when you repeat the same thing, inner goddess kind of thing, <laughs> I just gave you a hint at which book I'm talking about. It gets boring. I don't enjoy it. I feel like that is wrong to do to my readers. You talking my about, you talking about that, uh, 49 hues of gross. <laughs> I have the most obnoxious laugh. I had to pull my microphone away from my mouth. <laughs> 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 I try the, the, from Movie two and three are actually, they're, they're okay. I liked them. Movie one was like, I felt like I could have been in that movie, and I'm a terrible actress. I tried to read the books. I did. I tried, I tried, I tried. I got, I couldn't even get through the first chapter. Um, yeah, me neither. And, and I'm, you know, Stephanie Meyer is not the best technical writer, but she's a wonderful storyteller. If you can suck me into the story, even if there's a few errors here and there, one of my favorite authors in the world, her very first book, I don't think she even had betas on it. There are so 
many errors and I found a couple of head hopping and I found um, a couple of POV changes, but I was so into it that I could forgive it. Yeah. This, well, and it's- this is where my brain goes when I'm trying to write my book. So sometimes if I'm writing it and I'm forcing it, all I can picture is the author doing like me and sludging through it. Whether I'm the best technical writer or not, I can never be an editor. I can never be an editor. You've read my books, Jen. You've edited my books. I can never be an editor. I love being an editor. But I think I'm a good storyteller. Oh, yeah, you definitely are. And to get a little um, vindictive, I don't know if that's the right word, says the editor. But anyway, I love editing because there's a little part of me, little evil part of me that loves picking apart and destroying a book. That's, that's sadism. That's not vindictive. <laughs> like, I don't want to be... I'm that person that I'm like, pick it apart. When I send it to betas, I want you to tell me, did I lose your interest? How's the pacing? Is there chemistry between the characters? Because what, what were we watching? Oh, uh, uh, Vampire Diaries. And I was telling my husband, I'm like, D- I don't know if anybody's watched it, but the characters are Elena Damon and Stefan. And Elena and Stefan are so in love. But I kept telling my husband, dude, there is way more chemistry between Damon and Elena. And I found out later it was because they actually fell in love on set. Uh-huh. Um, they dated for a while. So if you don't feel the chemistry between my characters, let me know. Because I'll scrap it and rewrite it. You know I don't have the problem doing that. I want my best to be in my reader's hands. And if it's not, my brain goes and goes and goes and goes. I will tell Just- you, the chemistry between your characters is one thing I have never felt you've done wrong. Good. I was worried about Luke and Piper and Luke's uh, redemption because I felt like he, because he's so standoffish and she's so sweet, but the readers loved it. So, yeah, you know, my favorite is Reed. I love Reed so much because he's so freaking funny. Well, now if we're going to get into favorites. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my favorites, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that train of thought. So let's just move on. My ADD rubbing off on you? <laughs> no, I just, we, you know, we get into other topics and my brain says, well, forget your questions. So my next question was going to be, do you have a writing routine? You know, I did um, when I was a full-time and then when I went back to work, I actually had a coworker yesterday. She didn't know I was a writer. And so I pulled up and I was showing her all my books and she says, can I ask you a really rude question? I said, sure. Because you know me, I don't. My skin is like rhino, diamond-plated skin. Nothing bothers me. And she says, why are you working here? (laughs) Well, for one thing, authors are not rich, especially if you're an indie. We put out our own money for editing, for covers, for, you know, anything that needs to be done, marketing. We put out our own money. I had to tell her because I don't don't want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm a starving artist. I said, it's human interaction. It's true. Because especially when I was home, I would get up, I would talk to my mom for an hour. At 10 a.m., I was at the desk. Now, I've discovered that I write the best around 4 or 5 o'clock. So the second I get home from work, I change clothes. Lord, if you saw me right now, I got my lounge pants on and my house shoes. I always have to have a drink. I always have to have background music or noise. Usually a TV show or a movie that I've seen that I don't pay attention to. One character out of all the characters I've written needed silence. And if you remember, that was Coda. Yeah. Coda needed silence. But every one of my characters has needed background noise. That is my routine. That I need my desk to look a certain way. 
I need to have, whether it's tea, you know, hot tea, coffee, soda, water, I have to have a drink. And then I, my background noise, and then I go. And I always read back the first or the last couple paragraphs that I wrote to refresh where I was going because if I don't, sometimes I'll forget whose POV I'm in. If you're not, if you're not a tuner or adept in this world, POV is point of view. So it might be from my hero's point of view, or it might be from my heroine. So I always have to go back and read the last two paragraphs. It's very regimented on when I sit down to write, because if I don't do it, I force it. I force this, the, the writing process. I, I, it used to be, I wrote best in the morning and it was started in like August, I think September, somewhere around there, just before I started this new job that I'm writing best. I, I get the most words out in the evening where I'll push and push and push and get up and take a lot of breaks. Come about five o'clock. It just goes and I'll, I'll get lost in my story. So I wonder if that yeah. has something to do with your job, because I know you've told me before that sometimes your job is so monotonous that you get lost in your thoughts. Mm -hmm. so, I do. I've been known to sit there and write in my head. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's why your, your routine has kind of shifted. Could be. I don't know, but it's, I love it. So because my husband doesn't get home till close to seven from work. So I've got that period of time where it's just me, the dogs and the cats, you know, well, one cat's outside. So one cat inside i turn on my lamp i turn on the tv and usually at that time it's the office because <laughs> that's my jam um if not it's walking dead you know dvds whatever and i just go you i mean you've been texting me before and i'm like can't stop can't stop the response can't stop you know the words are going oh that's why you ignore me okay well yeah, that's... a lot of times if i don't respond right away i'll glance down if it's not an emergency whoever's texting me i just keep typing and then when i come to a lull like what am i doing next that's what I answer. Or well, if I get up to use potty. If you're ignoring me to write, then it's acceptable. Yep. Because you know that at night, if you're at not night writing. If you text me, my <clears> husband <throat> is deaf, I think, and he turns the surround sound up so loud that I don't always always hear the ding. And I'll be like, Oh, she texted me like two hours ago. You gotta get yourself a smartwatch. It's the only reason I ever know anybody texts me. I'm um, trying to stay away from technology as much as possible. Uh -huh. You know, I don't even have a TV in my bedroom. I couldn't do that. No, I do. We uh, we had one in our last two houses, and we decided because they say technology, you know, laptops, things like that, the white the waves will bother you. And you know, I've always been a bad sleeper. I wear a CPAP. I was not doing well with it last night. Took it off, so I didn't sleep very well. We don't have a TV. When we moved in here, we chose not to have a TV. I will not bring my laptop in my bedroom for except for when I was sick. You remember all that was going on, so I wrote in bed, but. No, my phone is the only, and that's because it's my alarm clock right now. That is my only technology in my bedroom at all. That is my, I go in there to rest and to play the horizontal hokey pokey with my husband. And that's it. That's the, well, and shower because that's where my bathroom is, but that's it. That's what that room is for. My office or my cave, as I call it. You know why it started out being called the cave here, don't you? Because it was in the basement. Yes, I'd never heard of people saying writer's cave before at that point, but it was in a corner of the basement and it was dark and my kids joked and called it a cave. Mom works in a cave. I think so since then it's been my cave. The reason that started with authors is because they needed a place where they could actually physically shut out the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, it's nice here because I have a, a door. You know, when I used to do the live readings on Tuesday nights, I'd have to shut the door. You know, because my husband might have somebody drop something off to be painted or the dogs might hear a leaf blow outside and bark. I have a neurotic dog. <laughs> so I can actually shut the back 
the cave downstairs, I was just, it was open. So if they were watching TV, my husband bought me these, I think they're bows or something, these headphones that I would play music through and it would block everything else out. Now it's just me and the husband. So it's kind of nice for those of you worried about empty nest. It is wonderful. <laughs> it takes a minute to get used to, but it is wonderful. And um, for those who want to hear a little bit more about the, uh, what did you call it? Horizontal Mambo? Horizontal Hokey Pokey. Hokey Pokey. Uh, a little bit more about things like that. And um, who knows, maybe possibly personal, but more about in Lynn's books. That will be included in the after show content on Patreon. Yes, ma'am. So if you'd like to see that after show, actually hear that after show content, because we're not going to videotape it because we're both in pajamas and yes. possibly haven't showered. A funky bun, no makeup. <laughs> um, you can join uh, Patreon and that link will be in the show notes. There are three different tiers. Each one includes something having to do with the podcast as well as my YouTube and my author work. But to see the after show content or hear, I keep saying that, to hear the after show content, you <laughs> have to join the high highest tier which is only ten dollars but it's extras everybody loves extra yes and for that ten dollars um it, you join the highest tier you get all the benefits of all three tiers so it's honestly a bargain yes yes I, i've seen tiers upwards of 50 bucks on different wow. you know sites wow yeah i've never seen that but there's yeah. i don't have enough content for that <laughs> <laughs> yet you just started just wait so you mentioned having to have a drink when you write. Is there a drink of choice? No, you know, like right now I drink Pepsi Real Sugar um, because I am fructose intolerant. Yay me. Um, but literally, as soon as the soda is done and it's 1130, so we're getting past that time, um, I drink water or hot tea all day. I just need a drink and my chapstick. <laughs> I got to have my chapstick. I don't know why. It's not like I'm talking. But I always have to have liquid so, beside me. Even if I don't drink it, I have to have it. Is there like a um, specific mug or cup or anything you have to drink out of? Uh, yes. And this is where I have to speak in a foul language. My favorite mug is fuck off, I'm writing. Mm. That is my writing mug. Fuck off, I'm writing. I like that. I like that. I um, didn't make it. In case anyone's curling their nose, I just bought it. <laughs> where did you buy it? It was online. Somebody sent me a link to it. And I was like, oh, I got to have that. Do you still have the link? I don't know. I'll have to find it. I'll send it to you. Okay, because if you do, I'll put it in the show notes in case anybody wants to buy one. I need one that says fuck off I'm reading, too, because uh, people don't seem to understand when my face is buried in a book. That means I am busy. Yeah, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are there any other special tools you use when you're writing? Um, I am, and there's so much controversy right now, but I prefer Office, uh, Microsoft Office. I know there's a whole lot of programs out there, Scrivener. I am a creature of habit. I'm going to continue writing on the exact same program that I started on. I tried open office. I did not enjoy it. I have to have Microsoft Office. It has to be at 140% because I'm getting older and don't feel like wearing my glasses. It has to be dimmed down a certain way. Um, once the sun comes behind me, I have to close the curtains because I can't stand the glare. I mean, the more I say, the weirder I sound. <laughs> so no, those aren't actually talking. <laughs> those aren't actually tools. So like, I know you use index cards. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. I have a notebook um, that I keep beside me. I have my bullet journal and my index cards. Those are my main side tools, other than Microsoft Office. And I actually have a certain pen and a certain pencil I use. 
My pin came from Walgreens at Valentine's Day, and it's got like a diamond on top. And the pencil is mechanical. I don't know why I need a mechanical pencil. But my bullet journal, it holds plot ideas. It holds names. And my beautiful editor purchased it for me and sent it to me. I love shout outs. Excuse me. Um, it's got my goals for each month, each week, each day. It's got my word counts. My notebook, because I use a pen in it, I scribble things that come to me that I don't need to put in my binder, but maybe I, I forgot to add this in here, so I'll, I'll scribble it out. Or somebody calls me and I need to remember something. Both of those are sitting on my left, my post, my uh, postcards, index cards, yeah. Those are on my right. They're actually in a little tray along with some research books that I have out. And, and one uh, I just bought <clears throat> called Your Guide to Badass Mindset Mastery. And it's kind of a uh, low content where you put all your different goals and stuff and then save the cat writes a novel. You don't even want me to go into what's in my cabinet. I've got, I don't even know how many notebooks down there, but they're for each category. There's book names, there's plot lines, you know, and those are for future, not what I'm working on now. But for future. I love my so, reference yeah. books. Those are those are one of the things I absolutely need. And actually, since this is a supernatural podcast, I will mention that one of my favorite reference books is called The Mythical Creatures Bible by Brenda Rosen. Oh. I love it. It's got all different kinds <laughs> of mythical creatures. I mean, even like gnomes and stuff are in there. And it explains like the myth behind them and all that stuff. It kind of reminds me of like, you know how on Supernatural they always talk about the lure of whatever they're hunting. Yeah. That's yeah. what that book kind of reminds me of. Yeah. The books I'm looking at, those were gifted to me. And again, these are reference books that I do use. We have mythology. We have 501 notorious crimes, the world's most evil psychopath. Ooh. The encyclopedia of serial killers and horror ghosts and Gothic, the St. James guide to horror ghosts and Gothic, Ghost and Gothic Writers. Those are just the ones sitting out. Those are all my reference books. Those, those sound good. I'm going to have to borrow those. You know, and it's it's hard to try and get through everything when you have a long TBR, too. So I refer to them as my reference books. And, oh, no, I'm stuck. I need to go through these. Procrastination my at its best. birth gave those to me. I just lost something that I was carrying around. Oh, there it is. Yeah, those are my tools. And, you know, every author is different. Some people are using the Google Docs. And you, you send me Google Docs, and I have to ask you for the link every time because I don't know how to use that. <laughs> Google does take a little bit of getting used to. I mean, I've been using it for years, but still. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen authors use the Google calendars. I write things down. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm old school. Well, I, I remember the days of the Dewey Decimal System. And now you go in, you have to type it in a computer and look it up. We do have a Google Calendar between us, but I think I use it more than you do. Yeah, I don't think I've even opened it yet. That's okay. It's mostly a <laughs> reminder of what I need to nag you about. <laughs> I need, You know what I need to do is put a bookmark on it so that I can go check it. Because I do, I, you know, I'm getting more and more scheduled and ritualistic. And honestly, I'm thinking about doing a podcast or YouTube and or YouTube on that. Because I know I was having a hard time with juggling life animals husband work you know and writing yeah I, I, that's a lot <laughs> i definitely think you should and actually i think it should be a podcast because it's more of a an audio thing than a visual yeah so well i love podcasts because when i'm in the shower when i'm cleaning my house when i'm making dinner making my bed anything that does not require me to look at something 
I listen to podcasts. And you do, um, you did start a podcast. So eventually I you'll did, be getting back to that. If you are familiar with me, I did start a podcast. It was a hotness writer's life. Um, I had to put it on hold. My son moved back home. Um, and he took the room that we call the studio. It's a long story. I always, my door's always open to my babies. He's back out and we're trying to get rid of the bed and we're actually going to redo that room. And it is going to be a full studio and there might just be some audiobooks in the future because oh. he is going to outfit a closet to be soundproofed for me. So awesome. yeah, we're going to put a couch in there and a rug and <clears> soundproof <throat> the walls and everything. So the podcast is coming back. It's just, I had to take a break. I was, I was exhausted. And then of course COVID hit, I was doing vlogmas as you know, and life got crazy. And then COVID hit. Vlogmas light basically. <laughs> Vlogmas was exhausting. It was. It was fun, but it was exhausting. I think I made it to the, what was it, the 15th or the 16th? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, that's a lot. If you guys don't do YouTube videos, you know, you got to record a lot and it's got to be interesting. And it takes hours to edit all that. So I was going to bed at like 11 o'clock and getting up at 6 o'clock or 5.30, whatever, my, so that I could start all over again. So I was getting tired. Eventually, I'll go back to full-time writing, but, you know, I needed I needed to get out of the house. I needed a little side money, a little extra money. I st it was supposed to be Christmas money, but I, I love my coworkers. I love my coworkers. Translation, you needed to pay your editor. I needed to pay my editor, <laughs> and I actually started some Facebook or uh, um, Amazon ads. Um, I think I want to – I currently make my own covers. I would like to start paying someone else to do it because I think it would be something else off my plate. So I'm saving up all my royalties specifically for that. And I'm using my paycheck for all the fun stuff, the going out to eat, and, you know, keeping Netflix on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though I hardly get to watch it. Monday nights is when I watch whatever I want because my husband's on full league. And I will put a link to that podcast in the show notes. That way people Appreciate can find it. it when you start it back yeah, up again. It will come back. I just, it, I just needed a break. Because it was a lot of work plus, you know, writing plus working outside of the home and trying to keep up on the home. Okay, so kind of sort of segueing from the um, special tools, do you have any writing quirks? Yes. If I'm chewing when I'm writing, I stop chewing when I'm typing. I tend to mouth the dialogue only and I make the facial expressions of what the people are making. So if their eyebrows are up, although they're, I can hardly raise mine because of Botox, my eyebrows are up. If they're moving their head, I move my head. I literally am acting it out as I'm typing it and didn't catch it until I was recording myself for YouTube and realized that I did these things. My husband cracks up because I'll have me typing for the YouTube and I'll speed it up because nobody wants to watch that whole thing. And you'll see my mouth chewing and stop. Chewing and stop. <laughs> I am probably one of the weirdest people to watch when I write. And if I, I'm trying to act out a scene, I'll pull my hands from the keyboard and I point, you know, like they're pointing or, you know, Ray throwing their hands up. I literally act out. I've even been known to go put my makeup on to resemble a character. Even if it's like dark makeup, I will go do it so that I'm in her mind. It's so authors are weird. What does that sound? That would be a dog scratching. I have 60 pound dogs. That's funny. It sounds like a, like a heartbeat. No horizontal hokey pokey, I promise. Nope, that is a, that's an 11 year old dog scratching. Again, She's you want to hear about that stuff? Patreon. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. 
stop. And I can I can contest to the um, acting out the scenes thing because whenever we sprint on video, I find myself watching you instead of writing. And I never noticed until I started watching videos on myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm very animated. I just, you know, you. I catch my mom, if I'm telling her a story and I'm making facial expressions, she parrots me, she mimics me, and she don't know she's doing it. I think that's just kind of what I'm doing is I'm mimicking the characters as they're doing it. And I'll be typing, and then I start mouthing as I'm typing what they're saying. You know, if they're bobbing their head when they're saying it, then I do the same thing. It's just, I get so engulfed in my characters that I, like, become them for a minute. So if somebody calls me or if Mike comes home, it, like, snaps me out. My kids, I'd be in the middle of the sex scene, and I'd have my door closed. Or if I was downstairs, I'd have my earphones on, and I'm in the middle of the scene, and they'd say something, it'd snap me out. Whoa, back to reality. It's like, you know, when you're reading a book and you're in that world, it's the same thing. That's like You snap out of it. That's like the equivalent of your kid walking in on you and your husband. Yes, yes. They, there was. I had to make a rule that they were not allowed to come up behind behind the eye me so that they could see the screen. That they had to do a wide berth to my side <laughs> so that I could see them because I didn't want them seeing. Because I use some dirty words sometimes, and you know, they're romance, so people are making love. See, I didn't. I didn't say any dirt thing dirty. I said making love. <laughs> yeah, so, if you read my books, there are sex scenes. My mom will not read my books because of the sex scenes. Although I told her she can skim past them. But what happens when you fall in love? You make love. That's what we do. Yeah, we'll go more in depth on that in the after show stuff. Um, yeah. But so basically, what you're saying is you are a writer, like sometimes they say method acting yes so you're a method writer method writer yep it's interesting i don't i mean i don't really pay attention to what i do when i write but i don't think i do that yeah it's it's quirky i think and then if i record myself while i'm making a video like while i'm say record myself while i'm recording myself if that makes sense i'm animated You know, because I edit a lot of that out. I'm animated, man, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. You are, even when you're not writing, because I know that you mentioned that a lot of times in the podcast episodes you did. Yeah, I'm very animated. I'll be be talking on the podcast. Nobody can see me, and I'm I'm pointing and throwing my hands around. And earlier, when I was talking about Botox, and I said in my my front my uh, crow's feet and my smile lines, I was pointing like you could see it. Um, and you're going to start hearing noises because I had to open my window. They just couldn't take it anymore. Okay. Um, all right. So the next question was going to be, have you ever had any uh, writing related insults or like really bad reviews that um, have stuck with you and what, you know, what effect did they have? I don't let them really affect me negatively. Um, if it's something constructive in a bad review, I'll take what they they said. If they're just being dicks, I ignore it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've had bad reviews. Oh, this is so boring, or she's so childish, or I just couldn't get into it. One of my favorites was a two-star, and it says, if you're into vampire books, you'll love this, but it just isn't for me. Then why did you read it? Why did you review it? Because <laughs> that brought down my rating. You said it's a great book. You just not into vampires. Yeah, so was, why read it? I mean, I don't remember which book that did was. you not read the synopsis? I mean, obviously, it, it was about vampires. Well, and it was a review. Um, 
like I think it was I paid for uh, like a review blog uh, tour or something like that. So you knew when you were reading the synopsis and you offered a review what it was going to be. Right. So you said it was a great book, but not for you, but you gave it a two star rating because it's not your genre. Sounds like so, a typical, I just want a free book. Well, things like that, that irritate the piss out of me. Yeah. But if it's a bad review because you didn't get into it, some of the multi-million dollar selling books I didn't get into. That's fine. I'm just not going to review it or read it because I'm not into it. I don't, re- I don't leave bad reviews. I just don't like to leave bad reviews um, because usually if I don't like a book, it's a personal opinion, I guess you could say. And not because it's terrible writing or whatever, you know, yeah, well, like because, that. Yeah, because for me, especially if it's terrible writing or like I really can't get into the story, then I don't even finish the book. And then there's not right. fair to review it if you didn't even finish the book. Like when people review with a DNF, okay, but why? Why did you DNF it? Yeah. You, you didn't get into it. It was terrible writing. I don't, like, I don't like that. Don't do that. Don't DNF if it. You wanna, if you want to really write down your thoughts about the book, have a journal or something. You don't have to right, do it publicly. Right. But I mean, if it's a bad review, because maybe, like I have in the past um, under a different pen name, I accidentally uploaded the unedited version. Um, before I made any even self-edited changes mm-hmm. and somebody blasted me and somebody else was like, Hey, just co- talk to the author. She announced that she had, you know, put the wrong one. And so I did send her a new one and she did take that review down, but there's no, it, there's no reason to blast a book because it's not your style or you couldn't get into it because we're all different artists subjective. But at the same token, I want honest reviews. Yeah. If you think I'm a bad writer or whatever, say it. It's not going to affect me. I'm always going to write books. I have always tried to tell baby authors that reviews are for readers. They're not for you. They're yeah. not for you. They're, you don't need to read every one of them and scrutinize them. And what can I do better? What can I do worse? Reviews of any kind are for the paying public. They're not for the producers of said product. Yeah, and you it's know, your business. even then, like, I, I don't read reviews before I buy a book. Um, if I get a book that has like 5,000 reviews and they're all five star, it turns me off because I feel like you pay for it. Yeah. See, Nobody I don't even look. Nobody is going to like some of my favorite authors and favorite books in the <laughs> world have one star reviews. Right. If you're going to leave a review, make it honest, give the reasons that you you get there was a book that i couldn't get into because they had i'm gonna say rape i mean it it was forced as a romance angle and i did not find that sexy no if i tell you no that means no um of course they later fell in love or whatever but that's like porn from like the 60s or 70s when oh no means try harder you know there were so many good reviews on this. I mean, I'm talking in the thousands, but if I'd gone and read just one of the one stars, I would have known not to pick that one up. So now I do read a couple, you know, five stars. What did they like? And I'll read one or two bad reviews. And if they all say the same thing, sexual abuse is a, is a trope, I'm not going to pick it up. Um, I don't, trigger warnings are a big thing right now in the author world. Some say everybody needs to put trigger warnings. Some say no one needs to. I feel as though I don't because I do put enough in my blurb so that you know, you know, like the trafficking in um, the shipper council executioners. I talk about that in my blurb. So I feel like people will know. But if you're going to put rape as a trope, give a sexual or sexual warning, give a trigger warning. Um, I have PTSD from 
from domestic violence. I'd like a warning. <laughs> I'd like a warning so that I know what I'm getting. I'll still read it, but I know I need to know what I'm getting into so I don't let myself go back to that point. Um, but no, I don't, I don't let reviews get me down. And I don't mind criticism as long as it's constructive. If, you know, Lynn Howard is ugly and she's a bitch. Well, okay, that's your opinion. That's not constructive. It has nothing to do with the book. Right, right. Oh, there's, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Authors behaving badly, books that haven't even come out yet, and people are reviewing them with one stars because they don't like the subject. How are you going to review a book? And of course, that's on Goodreads. Anne Rice was like a champion for Goodreads bullies, which, let me say, I have email um, communication with Anne Rice, or I had, but I still have it. When she was still alive, I cried. Because she is the person that got me in this whole world of paranormal and supernatural. You know, kind of like a, a mentor from far away. I think you know, need reviews to. are for readers only. And if you let them get you down and you don't develop a thick skin, you will not survive in the industry or any artistic industry for that matter. I think you need to print out those emails and frame them. <laughs> I, I've printed them out before and they're in a drawer. I need to frame it though. That's, that's really cool. Like, that would be something that would be really I didn't expect anything. And she responded, and I was shaken and ran to my husband and showed him because Anne Rice. <laughs> I think that's really cool. And I think that'd be something that would look really awesome in your cave. Oh, and if you're not in the book world, Anne Rice is the writer of Interview with the Vampire and the rest of the books that go with it. But most people know that movie. And if you're not in the yeah. book world, I hesitate to say, but why are you listening to this podcast? Because it's mystical, and, and not all mystical is book and author related. I know, but obviously <laughs> when they click on the episode, they know I'm going to be talking to an author, so. Yeah. Well, maybe they're fledgling or, or one of the <laughs> authors. You know, I have a neurologist who wants to write. So every three months I sit down for my shots and we talk about his book that he still hasn't written. Well, we're going to go a little bit more in depth into reviews in the after show content because mm -hmm. we're going to be focusing on Grey's Wolf and, um, during our little short break there where the sponsor or this podcast was sponsored by cat vomit. <laughs> um, Man. I looked at some of the reviews for Grace Wolf and it uh, brought up an interesting topic. So we're going to get to that yeah. later. Um, but for now I have just a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. Out of the, the 20, well, now you're going to be 22 when the new one comes out, but out of those books, which books surprised you the most? Hmm. probably Noah really because he was so gruff and so you know and he's so gentle and kind with Holland wait a minute Noah's fire was that your impression of a bear no he the way he grunts and rumbles all the time <laughs> well, sit down asshole you know, I'm, he's, I'm he's, gonna I'm just, gonna save that and use it as your impression <laughs> of a bear <laughs> there's my bear <laughs> I'm going to be on the news, local woman mauled to death when trying to hug a bear. That's going to be me. <sighs> okay, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to kill trying to hug something I'm not supposed to. So, yeah, I can understand that about Noah because, yeah, like you said, he's very hard and, and kind of like, in a way, mean, but not only to guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's very gruff with men and you see him soften with women because he has such a respect for women and but children he's so gentle and sweet with holland and then to watch him with little penny later on when the, the pet panthers are introduced he's just 
I love Noah. I love all my guys. I just, I'm so crazy about all of them. You know, the one that I can remember the least is Luke's Redemption. Really? I had written that one in almost like days. I don't know. I, I remember the storyline, but I, I remember writing that the least. Hmm, I think my room was still purple at that time, actually. Yes, I think it was. <laughs> Okay, so we kind of already went over what you've learned from writing, but um, specifically, I, I'm going to get a little personal here, but um, specifically with um, Big River, uh-huh. what did you learn from that series? And, and to, to give a little clarification to the listeners, um, Lynn's books are sort of like a continuing series, even though they, we're, we're saying like Big River Pack and Ravenwood, they're they're all interconnected. They can all be read as, as standalones, but yeah, each book and each series um, has other characters from each, you know, each of the series in there because I personally love to read books that keep going. Um, what I learned writing big series was not to make any plans because Grace Wolf was supposed to be a standalone. And then all these other characters started introducing themselves as I was writing it. And then each character demanded a story um in the christian world they say if you want to make god laugh tell him what you plan on doing tomorrow if you want to make your characters laugh tell them how you plan to have the book because i had only planned on one book so now you know like i said that i plan on the shifter council execution which would be three books i don't ever go by a hard rule anymore because that book that series taught me i don't know what the hell i'm doing because my stories are character led and they become real in my head like uh, multiple personalities, I guess you can say. <laughs> I no longer try to force my characters in a box. I now let them tell me what they want to do. That's so, what I learned from that one. Do you find that your characters, even after you quote unquote finished, like when you finished all of the Big River books, do you find that even if they are not appearing in other books, that they're still appearing in your head? Yes, absolutely. At, read and Nova the most because I'll see something or hear something, and all I can think is that's what Reed would have done, or Nova would have done that, you know, or or hear a word and think of Tristan trying to trip over it, or Colton with his flirting. Oh, yeah, I, I'll see people out in public, like a big guy, a big burly guy. Oh, you look like Noah. Oh, yeah, they stay with me. They stay with me. For anyone who yeah. wants an inside look on those times when she sees things like that, you can join her street team or her, her um, reader group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the, the newsletter, you get a lot of in, inside information, the first look at the covers. Um, and again, I'm going to be writing a short story to continue Morse Pack with one more short story novella type thing that will only be for my newsletter subscribers. In fact, because they're my chosen people. In fact, you actually just recently posted a video. Um, I don't, was it from TikTok that the yes. cowboy video mm-hmm. that you said yep. reminded you of Reed? Yep. Oh, Reed or Colton totally would have been doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, it was totally Colton. It, it was Reed at first, but then when the guy started showing off, like yeah. doing like lifting himself over the beams and stuff, it was totally Colton for me. And for me, it was super hot and sexy because I like me some cowboys. Okay. Yeah, um, Big River is actually the river out here. Morse Pack, Morse Mill, everything that connects those storylines, they're all part of the county I live in or the town I live in. Um, I hi- And actually, I got permission from the owners of different locations to use the names. But at this point, there's already been four series. 
um, with the names that I changed. Moe's is actually Salty Mike's. It is a bar in House Springs, and it looks exactly the way that I described it. And I did go in there and give them a book, and I signed the walls as chalk, and I put Big River Pack, Lynn Howard on the wall. That's you know, cool. um, Havana's, where June works, is actually Savannah's, which is my favorite place to go. You know, the mom and pop grocery stores, Radicers, these are all real places in my town. I've just changed names or altered them or, yep. That's cool. You should, um, when you start back up with your YouTube videos, you should do like a um, tour, like of the places mm-hmm. that... I thought about that. Yeah, I remember I posted a video and the pictures of uh, Moe's on my fan page. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the other place to get all the, the, the highlights and stuff is the fan page. Yeah. I hate calling it a fan page because they all become my friends. All of that will be in the show notes. Everybody's welcome to check them out. Um, and I got to make sure when we finish here that Lynn actually gives me those links. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay, so my last book-related question, aside from a little ending thing that I'm going to have you do, um, is what do you want to be known for when it comes to your books? I have the word, and I can't think of the word. Um, Respite, maybe? I want people to feel about my books the way I feel about my favorite series, that it's their escape. It's what makes them able to forget their troubles, even if it's just the time they're in those pages. That's what I want. I want my characters to stay with them the way other characters have stayed with me. And that's I think- what I want to be known for. Someone who helped make even, I actually had someone tell me that they were going through a horrible time. They found me on TikTok of all places and my book got them through it. And that made my month. I think you that- definitely accomplished that. Um, even I, again, not in the slightest bias, even though I am your editor. Um, <laughs> With the, the amount of books that I edit and read and things and write, your characters stick with me, like, long after the books are done. <laughs> I mean, I also want to be known as an approachable author. Anytime somebody, if you ever send me a message on my page and I don't get back to you, it's either because I'm not sitting in front of my laptop and I don't have the messenger on my phone because I don't like distractions, or I'm in the middle of a scene writing and I can't be pulled away. But I enjoy conversing with my readers. I love it. I definitely think you accomplished that as well. Yeah. Well, one of my readers found me with a different pen name and has followed me since. And she's since then become a beta reader. But she was just a quote unquote fan and has become a friend. That's, that's so much family. That's so I much fun and stuff like that. Family, you know? I mean, you know, that's pack or clan or whatever you want to call us. That's how we started, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't your editor when we met. No, we were mutual authors, and we were, you know as authors we want to connect with other people and we were adding people and you and i just chatted and then we started chatting on private messaging and then became besties yeah i don't remember a time where we weren't besties so yeah Mm -mm. it's weird to think of that there was a time where we didn't know each other yeah we were just casual at one point yeah it's been a long time long time because i was still a stay-at-home mom when we were chatting yeah yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Good. It's, At least eight years. It's weird. It's it, like, I know there was a time we didn't know each other because it's not like we grew up together or anything, but I just can't yeah. remember it. Yeah. I know. That's that's the best type of relationship, too, though. If you can't become close with your editor, then you're with the wrong editor. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You need you need them to be like, nope, that's a plot hole change it, or laugh with you over or that scene you were chuckling over, or the, the one that broke your heart and shift to focus shift in focus. I keep saying shift of focus. <laughs> 
Okay, so obviously, since this is Let's Get Mystical, and it's technically Supernatural Podcast, even though we've gone way off topic several times, <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that you had had encounters as a child with spirits. I, I personally did not. There were two houses. The first one, I was a baby until three. And my mom always told stories about how a cowboy hat would be on the ground when they got home or the racetrack was plugged up. Well, in that house, I'm not trying to like give too much personal information. My mom and daddy would come to fisticuffs in that house. Well, my mom and daddy, you know, we moved out. We bought a house in a different town. And the next couple that lived there, he ended up killing her and then himself in that house. So there was obviously a bad entity in there. The second time, the second house we lived in, was technically third, but the next house, uh, my mom would talk about we'd be at school and toys would be being played with. And she'd be thinking, you know, some kids in my house and she'd go in there and there's no one there. Well, this happened a few times and a neighbor, I think it was, was like, have you seen the little girl? What? Have you seen the little girl? People had talked about waking up and seeing the little girl standing at the foot of the bed or beside the bed. So finally she says, all right, you don't bother us. We won't bother you. And everything was just, you know, kosher after that. Yeah, so, two houses that we'd had that had a ghost in it. So I know you said you're sensitive to spirits at work, but have Energies, you had yeah, any energies. other, like, actual encounters? Like, not necessarily just spirits, but any kind of supernatural paranormal encounters? I can't say for sure. Um, I can tell you that I've been to a hotel before where I felt like I was walking through static electricity and I saw what I thought was a shadow moving through, like something was walking through. Um, people laugh at me. I hear noises in the woods. I'm surrounded by woods, and sometimes they do not sound like a normal animal. So I wonder sometimes if my characters aren't stalking my house. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not nothing. I, my husband's friend talks about seeing, what did he say? It wasn't Bigfoot, but something like that. But if you knew this guy, you'd have to wonder, you know? But I, I'm pretty sure that I felt both just benign and um, evil entities in different places I've been to, depending on the way they feel on my skin. There's um, a place in Illinois, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think it's Ashmore, Illinois. It's called Ashmore Estates. And it was, um, I think it was an asylum and then a workhouse. And there's certain areas of this building that are more uncomfortable than others. And I went down to the boiler room and it, felt like my skin was burning like i could not get out of there fast enough come to find out they were burning people alive like they'd sedate them but instead of like they weren't fully dead and they put them in the you know and they'd incinerate them and i was like i need to get because i'm feeling like all of this as i'm in this building they found one room for me um that was the most comfortable that i could be in and later on it lit up and somebody else said they had seen children in that room so i think that's the only reason i could be in that room because Whatever I felt in that boiler room was angry. I don't want to say it was evil, but it was angry and it was extremely uncomfortable. As far as supernatural, those are my only encounters I've ever had. Is And I don't know if they're trying to communicate with me. And I try, if no one's around me, I can't hear you and I can't see you. Yeah. You know, if they're trying to communicate, they need to know I'm not the right person. I know you're there, but I cannot hear you. I cannot communicate with you. They're not. I wish the, I could. They're not always the most communicative either. Sometimes you have yeah. to interpret things. I, mean, I even... wish I could, because I'd love to tell these families, you know, like one lady was bawling. I just, I hope I made him proud. And I wish I could hear to tell her, yes, he did. Well, you know, and the he thing said is, this. Not, not every 
soul becomes a spirit either you know yeah. so it, it's yeah. it's it's hit or miss and sometimes you know depending on how sensitive you are to things sometimes you get mm-hmm. spirits from you know miles and miles away and then what are you gonna do when you don't know where they came from yeah so my mom my sister actually both sisters and myself are all sensitive in different ways my little sister the one just below me swears she saw almost like uh, uh quick quicksilver on the road she saw like the outline of my daddy um my little sister she like feels on her skin like touch my mom feels it in her stomach so like I'll walk over somewhere. I'm like, hey, go look at that. She'll look at me when she gets over there. Like, she feels it too, you know? <laughs> so we all have that. She, I told my mom what it was before, and she never understood why I was so exhausted when I went into public. And now she's starting to understand. You can't lie to an empath. You cannot con an empath. We know. We feel you. We feel your emotions. And it's not, not very comfortable. I don't know how to block it. It takes time. Trust me. I know. You think after 45 years, I've learned. And sometimes, you, even when you learn to block it, it comes out because, you know, like more often than not, when I have moments, it's while I'm asleep. Yeah. Well, because you're most vulnerable. Yeah. So. I told my mom I don't believe in dreams meaning anything because I have rescued a uh, Great Pyrenees in my sleep, a puppy that was at his own yard. I've had hawk eggs in my hand because <laughs> I have a bird feeder, so I'm always like looking for nests. I have weird, and a lot of them have turned into storylines or scenes. I will say I, not every dream has meaning, but I think part of being an empath and sensitive to things like that is learning to determine which thing you have to pay attention to. Yeah. I was just wondering if it wasn't the the emotions manifesting into my dreams. I mean, that's very possible, but I'm watching my bird feeder and I have some brilliant red cardinals at my feeder today. That's cool. That was so off topic. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I always love hearing about wildlife. Um, I kind of think of um, interpreting dreams and like emotions and stuff that you feel as kind of like, not to get geeky here, but as kind of like Spider-Man's Spidey sense. <laughs> because that's that's really what it is. Like, he, Spider-Man has to determine what is actually Spidey sense and what is him just being paranoid. Now, you know I'm a, I'm a Marvel girl, so you hit my home, man. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of my questions. Uh, but I was going to let you tell the people a little bit more about yourself. Um, a little bit about your upcoming book and um, what well, kind of touched on where they can connect with you, but just give a lowdown of everywhere where you are. All right. My new book coming up is Shift and Focus. It is book two in the Shifter Council Executioner series. Um, this one is not as, uh, we'll say sexy as the other ones. I don't have as many love scenes in this one. It's a lot more action. It is being released on Valentine's Day, but it is currently up for pre-order. Um, I've shared it on one of my Facebook pages, but in the meantime, you can find it on Amazon under just Lynn Howard. If you type in me, you go through my my actual author profile, you can find all my books right on there. Um, that link will be question? in the show notes as well. What was the other question? Um, about you and where they can find you. Oh, 
You can also find me at my website at www.lynnhowardbooks.com. Um, I tend to put the links to the podcasts, the YouTubes. Um, I even have some author worksheets on there for free um, for like character building if you ever want to look that up. Uh, my podcast is on hold for now, but it is Hot Mess Writer's Life. And there are, I want to say there's like eight of them up. I'm not positive on that. And my YouTube channel is just Lynn Howard Books. Um, and again, that's on hold. It is coming back. I just needed a break. But you can also find me at the, the um, my brain just like stopped. <laughs> my newsletter link is on the Lynn Howard fan page. So you can just click on there and sign up. And you do get a free book with that. It will change when the new novella comes out, but for right now, it's a free copy of Grey's Wolf. And if you read it, I would be greatly appreciated if you would leave a review. Good or bad, I don't care. It's for you, not me. So if you want to hear more about Grey's show. Wolf, we're going to get off of here and record the after show content for Patreon. See you guys over there. Thanks for letting me interview you and talk for like two hours. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was fun. It's always fun. <laughs> like I said, I might end up coming and getting you for to be a co-host next week because as of That's right fun. now, I have nobody to talk to. That's fun. There's lots of authors out there, though. So, actually, if you're listening to this and you would actually love to see Lynn again, let me know because if there's enough support for her, then I will force her to do it even if she doesn't want to. <laughs> oh, if you love me so much, I'll be back. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to get off here and record the after show stuff. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.